0: Welcome to good girls talk about sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey. And this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey friends thanks to the power of social media periodically people from my past contact me about the work i'm doing now sometimes it's a note to say i never would have guessed you'd be doing something like this other times it's to say i always knew you'd be doing something like this <laughs> today's guest charlotte is one of those people who reappeared in my world thanks to the magic of social media we knew each other a long time ago, and I always saw her as a golden child. She was pretty, athletic, popular, socially adept, everything I wasn't. She seemed to have everything going for her. I made endless assumptions about how easy things must be for her. I assumed her life was perfect. And honestly, Even if she'd told me differently at the time, I probably wouldn't have bought it because I was so envious. It's only now, decades later, that I can hear her story and recognize that her journey was challenging too. It was challenging in a very different way from mine, but the base feelings of being not worthy were present at a very deep level for both of us. When Charlotte contacted me and said she'd been listening and would like to do an interview, I was intrigued. I had no idea where this conversation would go. And it went to places I never expected, including exploring many facets of her sexuality in a way kind of similar to the way I did. Charlotte is a 45-year-old cisgender female. She describes herself as white and perimenopausal with an athletic body. Her sexual orientation and preferred relationship style are under exploration, and her current relationship status is exploring. You're going to hear several audio shifts during this conversation because we kept having issues with our connection dropping out and restarting. You're also going to hear some traffic noises in the background, because some days that's life. But it's a great conversation, and you're not going to want to miss a word of it. I am so pleased to introduce Charlotte. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you for offering yourself up to do this interview.
1: Thank you. Um, I really want to just say that I'm so grateful for the work that you do. And I've been following you, I don't know, for maybe three years now after having known you a long, long time ago. And I'm just continue to be inspired and impressed and just really honor the work that you do and the journey that you have been on. So it's important for me to say that because I don't know if I've really expressed it to you.
0: Thank you. That means a lot to me. And it's also this is one of those funny turnabout moments, because like you said, we knew each other a long time ago. And for me, you were always one of those people who I could never live up to. Yeah. Like, I wanted to be your friend, and I didn't know how. Yeah. Um, and so to, to come back together as adults is an interesting and exciting opportunity for me.
1: Mm, I already want to (laughs) cry. We haven't even gotten to any of the tricky stuff.
0: Well, let's dive in then. (laughs) So the first question I ask everyone is, what is your first memory of sexual pleasure?
1: (sighs) Pleasure. (laughs) Pleasure. Good question. Because I can think of right away of like a a succession of non pleasurable sexual mm-hmm. events, mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily bad, but just awkward and stumbling and um, not knowing what to say or how to feel. Or I remember a lot of those. Um, so I would say the first truly pleasurable sexual experience that I had where I was engaged in a more communicative way and both giving and receiving of pleasure was probably not till I was 18.
0: Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you were having other experiences earlier than that, that were consensual, but not awesome.
1: Yeah. I yeah. mean, maybe I had some pleasurable you know, exciting, exhilarating, kissing and making out and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But the way that I think about pleasure now, <laughs> that kind of a thing, I, I don't remember having until I was about 18.
0: Sure. So what about masturbation? Were you having pleasure with yourself before that?
1: I also don't remember that. Mm. Um, I mean, I probably also high school. Mm hmm. I think there was probably quite a bit of shame and hiding around intimacy, sexuality, all those things. So I probably just sensed from a very early age that topic was taboo. Mm. I remember like coming into my sexuality, you know, in early high school age and being aroused and, yeah, probably masturbating. So high school age, like 13 and up.
0: When you say you remember coming into your sexuality, what does that mean for you?
1: It means I remember I remember being turned on or being attracted to certain people or, or thinking sexual thoughts, those kinds of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you seeking out books that had sexy scenes in them or movies or things like that? Or was it more of an internal process?
1: Um, probably mostly internal. Yeah. And then, you know, starting to experiment with dating and trying things out.
0: Mm-hmm. And what was dating like for you in high school?
1: Um, I, I tended to want to date kind of cool sporty popular guys who probably i don't know that they didn't like me very much or that there was some kind of we we weren't on the same level or equals or maybe i felt too scared to Mm -hmm. be myself and to be really open so i kind of dated guys like that that i was trying to impress and satisfy and um so it wasn't until I was a senior in high school and I dated um, somebody who was also a senior in high school and we were really friends and peers and I felt comfortable and I could be myself. And so up until then, it had been a string of kind of older, uh-huh. cool guys that I was trying to impress. And I think that's probably why I wasn't feeling comfortable and having experiencing a lot of real pleasure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when you were with those older guys... Were you seeking out, um, and I haven't asked you how far you were going with them, but in your uh, physical, sexual engagement with them, were you doing it because you actively wanted the pleasure that you thought would come with it, or because you wanted to be good enough, in your mind, good enough for them?
1: Probably both.
0: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I definitely felt the, like, excitement and you know, the thrill and acceleration of of being with boys and wanted to keep exploring that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I remember feeling like, like being fingered or something and being like, that was really uncomfortable and painful almost. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what was supposed to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Or also not just, I remember not being able to use my voice, you know, not to be able to say like, no, that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've, you know, sometimes thought back and been like, Oh, (laughs) I wonder if I had what would have happened if I had used my voice and told the person what would have felt better. Yeah. You know, it's something that I think of um, not only in regards to myself, but I think of it a lot in regard. I have two daughters, so I'm like, I was often thinking like, oh, how am I going to encourage them to really use their voice and to be able to know and honor that their body and their, you know, their pleasure are sacred and Mm -hmm. that they can speak whatever they want (laughs) and that it's like, it's okay. And that, um, people that they're with partners, potential partners or friends also want to know what they're truth is. So just like, yeah. that's the context I often think about my own experiences and in, mm-hmm. um, in regards to them.
0: So what were you learning in your childhood home about sex and female sexuality? Very little. Hmm.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's, I would say almost no displays of affection And except for, you know, just like hugging and greeting, I didn't see any like kissing or touching or intimacy, sexual intimacy in my Mm -hmm. home. And then I grew up Catholic, so I didn't, it was, um, you know, I think there was probably a lot of shame around sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I did learn, it was just, you know, very, very basic sex ed.
0: So sex ed in school. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and a little bit at home, but mm-hmm. nothing about, it was more scientific, you know, nothing about pleasure and mm-hmm. uh, anything, anything like that. I yeah. of the juicy stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said that um, things started to turn around in terms of pleasure for you when you were about 18. What changed?
1: I probably started feeling comfortable, more comfortable in my own skin. And like I said, the person I dated felt like more of a friend um, when we dated basically for the duration of senior year. So we had time to, I think a lot of the other dating had been like summer flings or little mm-hmm. encounters at parties or things like that. And not, not actual relationships where we were cultivating a friendship and a relationship and our intimacy. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a, Mostly that, probably the time and friendship.
0: So, is this the first time that you had intercourse?
1: It wasn't, but the mm-hmm. first two, which had been basically when I was seventeen, that like the sum- the year, this, the year before, or the summer before, were both like not very pleasurable, and you know, kind of like confused, or I think I felt like, oh, I just want to get this over with. Yeah, you know um and then finally when i was like ready to have that relationship then i was like okay now i can like try to do this for real yeah and explore and have fun and
0: so what kinds of exploration did you have in that first relationship
1: i i think it was you know sweet but pretty pg you know <laughs> yeah um I mean we did experiment with like different sexual positions and I remember like him reading an article about like it probably in like Cosmopolitan magazine or some maybe the male equivalent of that I don't know what it was but like <laughs> um you know something that he had access to about pleasuring women and trying some things like that and um definitely oral sex and but like I remember we had fun Trying different things and, but that's, but still pretty, I don't know, PG, you know, pretty, not too wild.
0: Were you having orgasms? Yes. Yeah. And they were enjoyable orgasms? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you had one? I don't. Yeah.
1: I don't. I mean, it was probably masturbating. Mm -hmm. You know, it probably wasn't with one of those early on older voice
0: yeah so it sounds like this relationship probably ended at the end of high school Mm -hmm. what happened when you went to college
1: um i did some more dating and had also not very many pleasurable experiences Mm. like some um i feel like i still was you know i was still kind of trying to or attracted to somehow dating this more, this older kind of cool. It was kind of either a jockey guy or a a more edgy, like bad guy. Those Mm -hmm. were my two, two favorites. Um, (laughs) None of them very conducive. And I was like really struggling with depression in college. Uh I kind of went from being, feeling pretty good and, super athletic and, and having that nice relationship in high school to then feeling like, how did I end up here in college? Like not where I wanted to be, not the college I wanted to go to, mm. um, not my people really, you know, not, I was like, it was like a big fraternity scene. And I was just like, oh, where am I? <laughs> um, so I, 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 I did have some friends, but I kind of felt like this is not for me and isolated and probably pretty depressed.
0: I get so many messages from listeners saying, thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls and it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get hundred reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And speaking of Patreon, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So usually I spend a bunch of time sort of digging through the early years of people's lives, but it Mm -hmm. sounds like most of the interesting stuff has happened in more recent years. So why don't we jump forward? Um, I know that you've mentioned that you have two daughters mm-hmm. so let's talk about the relationship in which that happens
1: um, my girl's dad and i met in a kind of extreme yoga spiritual group um and dated secretly for 2 years because <laughs> it was it was like frowned upon to have relationships in this yoga community.
0: Did that make it more exciting? Oh yeah. It was (laughs) very exciting.
1: (laughs) We we both traveled a lot with the guru. And so we were like, you know, sneaking around all all over the world. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, And then um, ultimately we had to leave kind of, that's a whole other interview um, sort of under duress and we moved and uh, his visa was revoked because he's, he's not American and we had to get married really quickly. And then we kind of oh. set up shop and um, I eventually, I had two daughters then. And then we.
0: So let me interrupt. Yeah. Once you were no longer having to sneak around, mm-hmm. did that change the experience of the sex for you?
1: Yes. And also um, the the violation that I mentioned was on the part of our spiritual teacher oh god i'm so sorry. when we left that was a big reason why we left that spiritual community mm. and so i think um i had i had been compartmentalizing quite a bit in while we were still in the community and then after we left and i was feeling safe and a lot of things changed. <laughs> so it also changed. Yes. There was not the level of like excitement and, mm-hmm. um, that it took me a while to even want to be intimate
0: mm-hmm.
1: again. Just.
0: Yeah. yeah those, uh, spiritual communities where there is sexual impropriety by the guru can be really, really confusing and hard to pull apart. Yeah. Did you, in the moment that it was happening, recognize that it was violation or did it in the moment that it was happening seem like it was just part of the community and what you did?
1: Um. Both. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was... I was like in complete shock. I would say maybe more than recognize. I could feel maybe it felt more like a sort of out of body experience. It was like part of me left my body and was like screaming, you know? And then the other part of me was like, wait, but this is my teacher. And like the, you know, the gears were spinning and I was trying to justify what was happening in the context of being on a spiritual path. And, And then the couple of people that I did sort of try to share a little bit about what was happening, because this clearly wasn't happening to everybody. Mm. Um, And they were women, by the way. Um, They really (laughs) like justified every single behavior as part of this larger spiritual either test for me personally, or as some kind of task. That I was meant to participate in, in order um, for him to be able to do the work that he was meant to do.
0: Wow, that's so a lot is, of
1: justification.
0: That is a complete mind fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry you had to go through that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, thank you for saying that, and also that's a big part of my own journey. So.
0: Sure. I mean, I think both those things can exist in the same yes, place. Like, totally. it's not okay that these things have happened to us. And they created the people we are today. Yes. And, you know, I wouldn't give back the person I am today. But right. that doesn't make anything that happened. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So did your uh, it sounds like you weren't married while you were in the group. Right. Um, Did your your not yet husband know Mm. that this impropriety was happening?
1: No. And when I, that's, you know, I'm not sure it took me two years to tell him, (laughs) um, three years of sexual harassment and two years to tell him, um, mostly because I think, I mean, there was such a huge part of me that believed in the mission and vision. And I, I saw so much good happening. And then, a small part of ugly stuff happening, and then it it took about three years. Seems like a long time, but that's that's how long it took for the bad to start outweighing the good, mm-hmm. and for me to start feeling like I was going crazier and crazier, not sharing what was happening, and not feeling just feeling so out of integrity. So then I started to speak more vocally and tell people and. It's when I told him that that his, I had told so many people that um, justified the behavior Mm -hmm. and thought that the behavior was okay, or even thought, told me, oh, I wish that was happening to me. You're so lucky. Oh,
0: God, right.
1: That had been my experience so often that I was just continuing to feel crazy. And then when I finally told my partner, his reaction was the first one that was like, Shock, horror, Horror. disgust, anger. And then I was like, it just allowed that whole part of me that had been feeling out of integrity to weep almost in Mm -hmm. being validated and heard for the first time. So it it took us not too long to confront our teacher and then ultimately leave. Because when I did confront him, it was clearly not safe for me. Sure. Um, So we kind of had to run for the hills.
0: Mm-hmm. Was and there um, ever a tension between the two of you around the idea of infidelity? Like, no. that? okay. Yeah. So he saw it as something that you had been coerced into.
1: Yes. And, um, it's a little bit complicated because mm-hmm. he comes from a different culture where they have also different views of sex and, and rape, and probably did not even consider what had happened to me—actual rape. Oh, okay. um, partly because I had very cleverly um, worked so hard and gotten myself so busy, and and so many important ways that I became less of a person that he felt like he could. Used sexually and more of a valuable asset to him in Mm -hmm. my work. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I I don't think I did that consciously, but now I, when I look back, I had been like, oh, I I was like, I had become very effective in my role in communications and, um, I was coordinating all of his events. So I had too much work to do to be, you know, waste three hours in his bedroom. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, really what happened is he ended up shifting a lot of that energy towards other young women. I know he like, he would sometimes take me and another woman on a trip and he would say things like to, not to me, but to the other woman, like I brought Charlotte to work and I brought you for pleasure.
0: Oh my God.
1: So I had, I like did that. Um, And so I think, I would, I consider what happened to me for three years to be sexual harassment, but I think there was some thing in my partner's mind that we had never had intercourse so that it wasn't, I mean, maybe it was just his way of being able to feel okay about it. Mm -hmm. Like not thinking that there was any, and it was also very clearly done to me. I was not Mm -hmm. participatory (laughs) in any way.
0: Yeah. So once you got out of that situation, the two of you have set up house and mm-hmm. you're sort of sorting through all the aftermath of that. What happened next for you
1: we We still I would say had a fairly healthy sex life. Um, we both liked sex and um, enjoyed it you know we enjoyed it we, we had fun together but um after having kids, then things really shifted for me in terms of desire. Um, you know, I went my, both of my pregnancies, I, I went through a long postpartum phase of breastfeeding and, and not really feeling much desire. Mm -hmm. And also, um, at some point along the road in that 10 years of marriage, I categorized sex under marital duty. So, at some point it lost its luster <laughs> and I was doing it. I was still orgasming, but I was doing, I was like, you know, we had, we had some moments of difficulty in our marriage and where we'd gone to therapy and kind of had been talking about our love languages and things like that. And his was always physical intimacy. And so It was very important to him to be connected physically. And I wanted to honor that. And so we definitely continued to have sex regularly throughout our marriage. But yeah, somehow I had categorized it as marital duty, like cooking or cleaning or whatever, you know, in that. So it had stopped kind of being fun for me.
0: Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think, it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment, and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There's no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you, and we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring sexuality for later-in-life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. And together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free, no-obligation discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching coaching
1: basically at the end of our marriage I was coming back into myself sort of coming out of a bubble of full-on young child parenting mothering mm-hmm. and I started working out again and I started doing some coaching uh, with a friend of mine. And, you know, my kids were starting to get to the age where I was wanting to be able to re-engage with the world again and, and start working and, and finding my path again. And, um, as that was happening, I was, I could feel also my desire to explore my own sensuality and sexuality reawaken And, um, you know, I don't want, I don't feel like it's important to go into great detail about this piece, but we weren't really able to find the, our way back to each other in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we tried and we did a lot of therapy, but we couldn't really find our way back or find our way into a new evolution of our marriage and relationship. Um, And so then it became sort of what we, what I touched upon in the beginning. It became for me more about uh, my own really spiritual internal journey of realizing (laughs) that I wanted to be able to speak my truth. And so that began this journey of finding my sacred no and my sacred yes and being able to share them and it started with my husband um of just things that didn't no longer felt in, in integrity to do for me it's it, like it could be really small things like picking up dirty laundry off the floor or you know whatever it was um it, i like started very small and um things that were out of integrity i started saying no and that and eventually um it became no i don't want to be intimate with you anymore Mm. and i want to find my way back to myself and i want to find my way back to wanting to have sex and my own desire and i want to feel it bubbling up from within me and rather than feeling like I have to have sex because I'm married.
0: You said it took about another nine months for you to come into the next portion of your journey. What was that?
1: Um, that, that came when um, he took the girls away for the first time on a trip. And I was alone for the first time in 10 years. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's a really big deal. Yeah. Um. And a friend, an old college friend visited who I knew had kind of been interested in me for a long time. And we had always just been friends, but it was kind of a, a safe and easy, like we spent a weekend together um, during that time that the girls were away and it was a, a safe and easy way back into sex because he was a trusted friend and, um, you know, that I remember that first orgasm actually, um, it was so intense and like this just huge reawakening of my body and mind and spirit, but also it came with like a huge tidal wave of emotion because I hadn't slept with, anyone else in 13 years Um, and a big part of this year for me has been about freedom and about um, you know becoming financially independent again and being more fully on my own path spiritually but also sexually and so I, I haven't really wanted to be in a committed relationship. I've been in several exploratory
0: relationships. Oh, do you tell? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I had a couple, like I started with Tinder and a couple of other bumble, I think, and had some pretty awkward dates.
0: So at the beginning of this conversation, I asked you your basic biographical information and when i asked you what your sexual orientation is you Mm -hmm. said "Eh, it's sort of under examination and fluid and i asked you what your preferred relationship style is and you said yeah that one too Mm -hmm. so so what have your experiences been in each of those realms and where do you find yourself now so
1: after having some awkward dates and some fun dates and um I kind of realized, Oh yeah. Okay. I have to really start speaking my truth, saying very clearly what I want. Um, so I did that on my, on my Tinder profile. I just was like, I'm a shaman. I'm a crossfitter. I'm a super grounded earth mama. Like (laughs) I just put like exactly what, who I feel like I am. Uh And I was like, and I am looking for woke people who are ready to meet me you know, Mm -hmm. in this exploration that I'm on, you know, I just was like no room for anything else. Yeah, And then that's what I got. So, um, I love that. I got somewhere around the fall, um, a few months into the exploration, I met, uh, this Yogi polyamory dude who was in a committed relationship that he called, um, Non-monog- non-monogamous high fidelity mm-hmm. polyamory you know so okay. he's he was my introduction into the world of polyamory although a very high fidelity high communicative high communic like we all communicate very very clearly we've all um been tested for any sexual for you know making sure that our sexual health is all above board our communication about what's happening is all above above board um we know who each other's sexual partners are um but
0: just and just for the record let me insert interject here that that is what all polyamory should be Mm -hmm. there are polyamorous Polyamorous relationships that aren't that, yeah. But when you're looking at polyamory as a potential life choice, it needs to be highly communicative and all above board, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that that was what you found as your first. He's
1: like a he. I yeah, so lucky because he's like he's like a teacher of the polyamory. He's like led workshops and, (laughs) um, but he's also like you know. Uh, practice tantra and he's a yogi and and i had done this is one really cool thing that happened in my own the way the the reason why i'm relating this all to my own internal journey and spiritual practice is because i did this whole sort of weekend of internal journeying and investigation into my womb space and all the unworthiness that resided there and after clearing all of that out, the very next day I got a text from him and he was like, and we hadn't been intimate yet. We'd been, we'd kissed and sort of made out a little bit, but um, we hadn't had sex yet. And he sent me this text and just saying, you know, I've been thinking about you. And I think that before we are intimate, I'd really like to honor you in some kind of ceremony where um, I just really want to acknowledge who you are and kind of bathe you in love and devotion and worthiness. And I was like, that yeah. was fast. <laughs> it was like a, <laughs> a pretty fast, uh, expression of, or like incoming of worth after yeah. clearing out worthlessness. Yeah. Um, so I've had a lot of fun. We're still, Uh, intimate and see each other regularly. And I've had lots of fun explorations with him and continue to uncover edges of my own, just what I consider to be okay, you know, uh, in terms of safe or um, feel good, you know, things that feel good and just exploring lots of exploration of new things with him, um, that all feels really fun and wonderful and amazing, and and then I also uh, found on Tinder early on, around the same time, a couple. Mm. So I've, that they, I don't think they would consider themselves polyamorous, but they are. Um, they were interested in having one girlfriend. For a, mm-hmm. they are a male and female married couple. So I've also been dating them. Almost and a is year. that fun? Very fun. I had yeah. I kind of skipped over. I did in that period in my mid twenties um, have a few experiences with women, and I definitely felt like coming into this phase I, that women or being with two women and one man, or another woman and a man, that sort of triangle was some important thing for me to investigate, and so that's been very fun and exciting too. And, you know, I, like I said, when I put out really clearly what I wanted and who I was, the people really have been meeting me. Um, yeah. so that's been lovely and very fun to investigate and explore all the different ways that three people can be together. Yeah. Um, there's sort of unlimited <laughs> infinity ways, <laughs> <laughs> um and then most recently you're welcome to ask questions about any of those, but the third and most kind of interesting thing personally that's happened um, happened more recently when a friend of a friend we'd been at a birthday party a number of months ago and she had overheard me talking to another friend about my sexual exploration and... Mm-hmm. Um, she so she emailed me and she said that she was feeling pretty asexual
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: that they decided to open their relationship and would I have sex with her husband.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
1: And so I was like, I oh, we had a long conversation about ground rules and, you know, kind of that whole high communication thing. Yeah. And sexual health and all of those things. And then I said you know, I'd be happy to meet him. And I think in my mind, I was thinking, "Oh, this is going to be like." Um, I was feeling so open, and I'd done a lot of exploring already. And you know, I've now been with this guy who's been teaching me all about polyamory. So I'm like, "I've, I've got this." You know, I'm going to probably be explain like leading him <laughs> out of yeah. his, you know, and um. He like gets to my house and he's super. He was super open and like just do- dove right into the conversation and totally took me by surprise. And it he's he's like this hot surfer dude. So <laughs> and and there's a whole new level of chemistry. So it kind of. I had thought, like, I'm feeling so worthy and I, all my insecurities are gone. I feel comfortable yeah. with being naked. I'm like, I totally got this. And then I, this guy comes and I'm like, all of a sudden feeling all those things that I did when I was young. And like, yeah. oh, I am i can't date the cool hot <laughs> surfer guy because I'm way too insecure. Um, so it's just brought up. It's like, that's, again, this whole theme of self-investigation or growth because it has made me realize like, Oh no, there's, there was another layer of insecurity living there. And this unexpected partner that kind of landed in my lap, um, wow. has shown me that. And, um, and also at the same time shown me a whole nother layer level of my own sexuality, because there's some, there exists some, Crazy chemistry with him that maybe I had never allowed myself to experience that, like, just enables me to want to do so much more and be so much more open and have, like, a whole nother level of intense sexual experience.
0: And so, are you still actively engaged with the Polyamorous tantra guy, the couple, and this hot surfer dude. Um, yes, in
1: in communication, but physically not with the couple because they have um, they're not in my community and they haven't quarantined in my bubble. Mm-hmm. So we're only
0: talking. So, what is your hope for your sexual future? If you look whatever, five years down the road, what do you hope your life will look like in terms of relationships and sexuality?
1: I think that I imagine partnering up again, um, with but in a very different kind of partnership where both of us are sovereign beings and yeah, just meet each other in very different ways um, with a high level of respect for each of our own individual journeys. And I certainly hope to continue pushing the edges of my own sensuality and sexuality. I I I feel like I still have more to do there um, before maybe maybe it's with a woman alone, um, not as part of a couple, I still, I'm right now. I feel like I'm still in a exploratory, fun, learning, growing place. But that in the future, I imagine that there will be a partner um, to meet me in a whole different way that, than I've ever been met before. Um, after having done so much work on myself and with myself and with these other beautiful people that have showed up in my life. And I don't yet know whether as sovereign beings in relationship that I will feel comfortable being in an open polyamorous relationship. That's still a question mark for me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I do not know the answer. We'll have to revisit that
0: if and when. I look forward to that. (laughs) Hearing the next stage of this story. (laughs) Um, I am so excited for you, this journey that you're on, and I can hardly wait to find out what happens next for you. Thank you. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash GoodGirls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcary.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.